Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Uh, I hope you had a fine week and that you're looking forward to the start of a new week. For many of us, we're looking forward to uh, an extra day off tomorrow. Um, uh, I hope that you enjoy the time that you have, uh, whether you're spending time with family or just spending time relaxing or commemorating the day. Uh, take that and enjoy it. Uh, we, we're going to dive into our second message and I'm uh, of our series, uh, Transformed, and I'm so excited to be getting into that. Uh, and I, I really think that today is the 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 real, how do they say, meat and potatoes of 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 this series, Transform. We're getting into those that tough stuff. Um, and last week, remember, we set the stage of what it means for us to be transformed, and it was a lot to cover. So if you missed it, or if you need a refresher. I would recommend that after you listen to today's message, you go back and listen to uh, the first part of Transformed. So that way you can uh, uh, become acquainted with the process of what it is to be transformed as we get into the actual matters of being transformed in the different areas of our lives. And as we dive into part two today, I want to make sure that we set the trajectory of how things are going to be looking as we go forth in this Transform series. And uh, we're going to be focusing today on transforming our heart. Uh, today's our heart, and then over the next several weeks, it'll be mind, body, relationships, church, and community, church, community, or world. And this is on purpose, y'all. We're starting with the innermost parts of our being to our outermost parts of our existence. And in order to see true, true transformation, we have to start from within. Uh, if you've ever been to therapy, you know that your therapist will say true change only happens when it comes from inside the individual seeking it for change. Uh, there may be good things going on in your life, in your surroundings, in your relationships, but if true change doesn't start from within, all change will be temporary. So we're starting with the innermost part of our being, and that is our heart. The heart is the core of human existence on both a psychological or physiological level and spiritual level. Uh, Y'all remember the scene from Drumline? Drumline was one of my favorite movies growing up. I was in a marching band, uh, the East Rambo marching band. Shout out to y'all that were in it as well. Um, but uh, in, in Drumline, if you remember, there's a scene where uh, they're talking about the actual drumline of the band. And if you remember that part, they say, you know, the drums are the heartbeat of the band. And without the heart being in sync, the body is not in sync. And if the heart stops beating, or if the drums stop beating, you're dead. Use that analogy and understand the heart for what it means for our actual body and our inner invisible person. A heart that is unhealthy leads to a mind that is unhealthy. That leads to a body that is unhealthy and so on and so forth. So our desire today is to take the opening steps to get our heart right. Now, disclaimer, what we will discuss today won't repair your heart today, right? Transformation isn't going to be immediate. As we talked about last week, change and transformation takes time. But the hope is that you can leave today with something tangible to hold on to that will allow for the Holy Spirit to begin the work of transformation in your heart. Now, with that being said, the prerequisite, the, 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 the most important part, the required part of transformation of the heart has to be the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Many people desire for God to transform them without understanding that the foundation of which that transformation happens has to be through scripture and God's spirit taking over them. 
I'm reminded of Ezekiel chapter 36, where the people of Israel, uh, God says that they have a heart of stone. And God says in verse 26 through 27, that he will give them a new heart and that he will have his spirit fill them. Hebrews chapter four also says that the word of God is like a, is sharper than a two-edged sword, able to cut through and go in and understand our thoughts and intentions that are in our heart. So with that being our foundation, let's dive in. There's a little formula that we're going to actually have today. And that formula is what I want you to keep in mind as we discuss transforming our hearts. It's actually going to be the points for today. And the formula is, or slogan, or um, uh, 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 whatever acronym, we could say that, is E-P-G. Examine, purify, and guard. Let's jump in. To examine the heart means to identify and assess the contents of your heart. Now, this is an intentional effort, right? To examine and identify the parts of your heart that possibly are in need of transformation or repair. This does not happen haphazardly. This does not happen by the, 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 the breath of the wind, right? This does not happen by just waking up on the right side of the bed. There is intentional effort that has to go in to the examination of one's heart. This effort, however, is not an individual task. It is, in fact, a joint task that is led by the Holy Spirit. You see, examination is necessitated by the realization that something is wrong. Something is off. I feel good today. I'm not probably going to do a body scan and be like, what's wrong with my body? It's probably going to be futile. I don't feel that there's anything wrong today. But on a day where I feel that something is up, I'm more likely to do a body scan and see how my body's feeling. Example, about three years ago, I just had this weird chest pain, right? And I'm not one to really get chest pains. I get other aches and pains, but chest pains is not one of them. And the chest pain would just be really dull and random and achy. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't know the root of it. And at first, I associated it with something innocuous. Like, I don't know, I, uh, I'm i Haitian. So Haitians, we believe that everything is attributed to gas. Whatever pain you have in your body, gas. You have gas. Go take care of it. You have gas. Bless your stomach. You have gas. Right? Um, so I attributed my, heartache, my heart pain to gas. But the thing was, it would show up at different points. And oftentimes it would depend on what I was doing. Maybe I was working out. Maybe I did something strenuous. Maybe I was in a particular position and all of a sudden I just felt this dull, achy pain. Now that was my physiological heart, my actual heart. Your spiritual heart oftentimes operates in the same way. You see the imperfections, the flaws, the errors of your heart will show themselves from point to point without announcement randomly. And yes, you may be able to identify it. You may be able to identify, ooh, that doesn't feel right. Oh, that was A, B, or C. But identifying it is only part of the journey of change or health. 
going back to my example, you see, when I wanted to, when I, when I identified that there was something up with my heart, I had to go to a place where I could be examined, where the issues and the concerns of my heart could be assessed and explained by someone who knows about the heart. I ended up going to the doctor and getting a whole bunch of battery of tests and everything came back clean. It just so happens that I think that it coincided with my daughter, my first daughter being born. So that's probably why it might have been stress and anxiety, which actually has an impact on your body. Uh, but for some of us, we are able to identify that something is up. But we stop short of the examination. Maybe it's because the examination itself has other implications. Maybe we think that we know what's going on. Maybe we are stuck in our ways and we're comfortable. Or maybe we are afraid of confirming that our hearts need to change. Some people are afraid to go to the doctor, not because they're afraid of whatever they may have or suspect that they have. They're afraid of the confirmation of bad news. When we go to the doctor, and in my case, the expert heart doctor, using their knowledge, they are able with their expertise and their instruments to go in, examine and diagnose what may be going on in the heart. They are able to specifically and categorically, most often than not, pinpoint what may and what may not be happening in your heart. And with this information in hand, they can then guide you to know what the next steps it is you have to take on that journey of health and transformation. Heart transformation only happens when God can diagnose the current status of our hearts. God, the expert on your spiritual heart, goes in with his instrument, his Holy Spirit, and is able to see and identify and diagnose the things that are in your heart that are in need of transformation. You see, there are two reasons as to why we must allow for God to examine the heart. First, because God is only, really, truly the only one capable of seeing the heart of man for what it truly is. You see, the issue with mankind is we may try and fool others with a polished exterior. We may appear righteous, we may appear wholesome, we may appear good, we may appear desirable on the outside, able to hide the imperfections of our heart on the inside. However, God is different. God sees past all of that. I'm reminded of David. If we go into the Old Testament, you see when God, God goes and calls David, he, he calls the prophet Samuel to go to the house of David, the house of Jesse, David's father. And basically he goes and says, hey, yo, Jesse, guess what? The next king of, of the people of God is coming from your household. God has elected the next king of Israel, and he's here. He's one of your sons. So Jesse's like, oh, snap. So Jesse uh, compiles all his sons, and he brings all his sons before Jesse, I mean, before uh, 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 Samuel. And, and, and 
basically, as all these sons come forth, God's like to Samuel, nope, that's not him. So he brings the next son. No, that's not him. And he brings the next son. No, that's not him. Now, to Samuel's eyes, all of these sons had desirable qualities that would have made them fit to be king. And finally, when Samuel runs through all the sons, Jesse, uh, Samuel asks Jesse, do you got one more son? Is somebody missing? He says, yes, I have David. He's out in the field tending to the flock. So they go and search for David, and David is the youngest. So I'm assuming he, at least in his eyes, in front of us with our five senses, he doesn't match up to be the son. And Samuel kind of confirms that in the scripture. Samuel kind of says, hey, yo, God, you sure? I don't know about this one. And God says something. God says, Samuel, y'all see the exterior, but I look at the heart. Y'all don't see what I see. God is able to see things within the heart that other people can't even see on their best day with their best instrument, instruments, with the best education, with their best expertise, with their highest level of knowledge and wisdom. The second reason is because with God being able to truly see the heart, he's the only one that can truly expose and examine the issues of your heart in an expert manner. Listen to what Jeremiah 17 verse 9 and 10 says. It says, the human heart is more dishonest than anything else. It cannot be healed. Who can understand it? The Lord says, I look deep down into human hearts. I see what is in people's minds. You see, you may think you may know what's going on in your heart, but in order for it to be confirmed or refuted, you must then go to the person that can tell you what is going on. And God is that person. God is that guy. God is that expert. How often do you think you know what is happening in your heart only for God to be able to come and tell you, uh-uh-uh? You see, you are still a part of that process. When things happen and you feel your heart stir, that is the time that God has the ability to say, you thought you had this under control. Let me show you what I'm seeing. You see, it is at these points that God can begin to reveal to you in my examination, here's what I'm diagnosing. When you feel your heart stir, when you feel your heart activate, here's what you can do in a part of that process. Keep track of those things. Then in prayer, just like you go to the doctor, you can go to God and say, yo, Lord, here's my heart. I felt something. I noticed something. Help me understand this. Or if you are not able to identify what's going on in your heart, you can still go before God, like an annual physical. Sometimes we don't know what's up. It's not until we go to the physical that the doctor says, hey, yo, you got something that's going on here. God can perform and come with his expertise, his Holy Spirit, and begin to examine you and say, you thought that you was all good, but here you go. As you begin to keep track, here's some things to keep note of. Matters of the heart that often show up. Unforgiveness, resentment, discontent, remorse, doubt, depression, anger, rage, 
ignorance, naivete, extreme elation, or constant euphoria. Yeah, that's a matter of the heart. Pride, haughtiness, arrogance, greed, lust, mistrust, selfishness, the list goes on and on. Begin to identify and assess so that the Lord can also jump in, lead the process, examine and diagnose what's going on in your heart. Secondly, with the P, purify. Purify means to extract and separate the impurities. Sometimes this is seen as the hardest step. Purification involves two elements that become very hard for people to undergo, and that is separation, to remove from the immediate surroundings, and extraction, to take apart or to make two from one. This process becomes difficult because oftentimes there are things that have been melded in our hearts that become commonplace, and it becomes hard for things to be separated and extracted from our being. Think about this. When someone has an identifiable, observable issue with their heart, it sometimes becomes commonplace for people to identify that person by that issue. Let's use some examples. If I go to Sesame Street, you say Oscar the Grouch, right? Or if you think of Winnie the Pooh, you think of, I mean, excuse me, you think of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, you think of him being the depressed or melancholy. Or here's another one. You think of the grumpy cat. I mean, grumpy cat. What? That cat is grumpy. It's attached to that cat's identity. The characters become synonymous with the observable condition of the heart itself. And in that, we often ascribe elements or essence of a person's personhood to that said issue. How many times have we taken on the identity of a heart issue instead of dealing with it? Think of examples, right? You're seen as arrogant or cocky and you take that on, you know? You take that on as a badge of honor or pride, or you're cold and standoffish, right? You got trust. How many times have we said people have trust issues and they own that? I got trust issues. They own the condition as a sense of who they are instead of recognizing it as something that is holding them back. You see, once your issue is examined, once your condition of the heart is examined and diagnosed, you must allow for the Lord to separate and extract that issue from your heart. Transformation of the heart only works when you possess the inward desire to be changed. You hear that? There's separation and extraction, but it must be coupled with inward desire for that change to occur. Let's go back to David's story and zoom ahead a couple decades. You see, David is already king and he is feeling himself a little bit. He thinks he's he thinks he's the hot stuff. He thinks he got the sauce. He's the king of he's the king of Israel, right? And he's able to actually unite the two uh the the, the two kingdoms at this point, right? And he's popping. And one day, while in his kingdom on his balcony, he's out there just enjoying his life, and he sees a beautiful woman who is bathing unclothed from a distance and instantly whoop, he wants her now he wants her wants her and what happens is he ends up getting her he sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant as a result of the fact that he needed to hide the pregnancy 
he has the woman's husband, Uriah, uh, a member of his army, stand in the front lines of the army at the next skirmish. Now, the front lines is a dangerous place. It's almost a guaranteed certain death. And in fact, what happens to Uriah is he stands in that front line and the woman's husband, Bathsheba, her, she is, uh, Bathsheba, her husband Uriah is killed. David now takes her on as his wife and she has the baby and blah, blah, blah. David goes on with his life. Remember, he's able to hide everything that's going on. We talked about how you can appear righteous and upright and hide things, but God knows what's going on. God, in fact, knew what was going on. And David is later confronted by the prophet Nathan. And at that point, when he's confronted, his sin is called out and he pens a letter to the Lord. And in that letter to the Lord, he says, create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit within me. And that comes from Psalm 51, verse 10. Later in Psalm 139, David says, God, see what is in my heart. Know what is there. See if there is anything in my life that you don't like and help me live in a way that is always right. You see, when God called out and diagnosed what was going on in David's heart and God, uh, David's heart, David had to have the desire to be changed. He had to have the desire for God, the impurities of his heart to be extracted and separated from his being. He asked God to create in him a new heart to cleanse him. He granted God permission to separate and extract from him the things that are evil. And that goes back to last week's message. Make sure you go ahead and check that in. You see, in order for God to create a new heart within you, in order for God to extract and separate the things, the impurities that may be existent in your heart, even here right now, you must be willing to grant him permission. You must be willing to go before him and say, Father, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Father, take away what is inside of me and give me your spirit. When I was younger, we used to sing this song by Jeremy Camp, Holy fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not of me and is of you. I want to be more like you and I want less of me. You see, that is the prayer that we have to pray in order for our heart to be transformed. And once that transformation process begins, y'all, listen up. The only way to gauge the purity of your heart is for it to be tested. This is the part that a lot of us don't like. Let's take an example. You got a white shirt. Now, this is your favorite white shirt. It's your white shirt that you've had for a really long time. It looks clean. It looks pure. It looks without blemish. And then you go and buy another white shirt. And you put the white shirt that you just bought next to the white shirt that you've had. And oh my gosh. Oh dear. What do you notice? The first white shirt, the one that you thought that was clean and pure and good, and it pales in comparison when put next to the new white shirt that you had. And you wouldn't have known that unless you tested the old against the new. The only way for you to know whether God is changing your heart, transforming your heart in that extraction and and, 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 and process of separation is to begin to test your heart. Here's another example. 
If you purchase jewelry and you buy a diamond, it can appear shiny and beautiful. But the diamond must be tested against other diamonds in order to know its true worth. Proverbs 17 says, Fire tests gold and heat tests silver, but the Lord tests the hearts of man. As God transforms your heart, he will at points test it to see if it is up to code, if it is up to standard. This is important. There have been instances, and I'm using myself, there have been places in my life where I've been sensitive towards an event or situation, and that event or situation has may have created a strong emotion in my heart. It may have made me angry or sad or even at times lustful. As I allow for the Holy Spirit, and I notice I say allow, not allowed, allow because it's a continuous process. Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. As I allow for the Holy Spirit to examine me and purify me and transform me, my heart reacts less and less to those things that might have moved me in the past. What does that mean for you? Many of us wonder why God may allow for us to encounter situations that evoke certain emotions, negative emotions or uncomfortable emotions in our heart. Like the thing that irritates you or the situation that depresses you or the person that you lust or desire that you feel that, that, that you know that you shouldn't lust or desire after, but it feels like you can't get away from it. As you are being transformed, God may use certain situations, hear me out, God may use situations to test your heart and see if you are ready. Psalm 26 verse 2 says, prove me, O Lord, prove me. Test my heart and my mind. You see, there is a willingness by the psalmist to say, yo, God, as you change me, test me. Make sure I'm in alignment with who you want me to be. God must test you at points because the purification process isn't immediate. And it may, may take many times, trial and error, before God says, all right, I finally got you where I need you to be. Listen to that point that I said. It may take many times trial and error. It won't happen immediately. And you may fail. You may fall. Mm. A lot of us get discouraged by that failure. We don't find ourselves as good enough because God, we messed up again. But God's aware that you're going to fail. God's aware that you're not going to get it right every single time. And that's the beauty of transformation. That's the beauty of being made into the image of Christ. That's the beauty of being made into some, someone holy. You get the opportunity to grow and be purified over time. And eventually God's going to turn around and say, you're getting closer to where I need you to be. And as you get closer to where God needs you to be, we approach that third acronym, that third letter in the acronym, G, guard. Protect the boundaries of your heart. Protecting your heart, in my opinion, is the most important step as the Holy Spirit works within you. This is often the step that many Christians struggle with and with good reason. And there's psychology behind this. Break it down. As human beings, we are often receptacles for what we experience and perceive through our five senses, right? As a result of that, we consciously and subconsciously take things into our being. And while the mind is the place where many of those things pass and may even take up space, the heart is often the place where 
things become rooted and grounded. Let me say that one more time. The branches of whatever it may be, may be impacting and, and, and the trunk may be taking up space in your mind, but the roots are often found in your heart. And the heart often feels what the mind can't comprehend, perceive, or understand. Going back, right? It said earlier that the heart of man is deceitful. Not intentionally. It doesn't do it on purpose. Sometimes it just doesn't know what it doesn't know. It doesn't realize that it's holding on to something. You ever like something, someplace, someone, and you can't describe it? Someone's, hey, yo, why you like that thing? Yo, can you explain to me why you like it? And your mind can't put words to it. Your words don't really describe it, describe it or explain it when you do get words to it. But your heart knows what your heart knows. Uh, Salima Gomez had a song, The Heart Wants What It Wants. And while I disagree with the premise of that song, I understand what she means by that. The heart just knows what it knows. And you see, the Bible is very clear about the heart because in its deceitfulness, it is unpredictable. But it is the center of mankind, man, man, excuse me, mankind's experience on earth. And because of that, the Bible issues a warning in Proverbs 4 about the heart. Listen, this chapter is interesting because it's really a chapter about wisdom where, 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 where the writer just is explaining all these things to be mindful of and to, it touches on everything in our lives, everything that we can encounter to live a holy life, right? And in verse 23, it finally gets to an important part. It says, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do comes from it. An older version says, guard your heart for from it flows the wellsprings of life. Now, in our Christian world, many people have taken this verse into account and they don't understand the context and they only apply it to romantic relationships. So when they're dating, I need to guard my heart, right? And yeah, 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 I get it. Yes, you need to guard your heart when you're dating and looking for the person that God has ultimately uh, placed in your life to be with, right? That's absolutely true. And it's much deeper than just dating. Your heart is impacted by everything you do and thus impacts all that you do. So to that, I must tell you, be conscientious and active about your daily heart activity. Ooh, let's break this down. What do doctors say is the best thing for heart health? Right? To be conscientious of what you are eating. Right, cholesterol, fiber, certain uh, amino acids, right, that help with uh, help or, uh, or or negatively affect heart health, and they also say regular exercise, daily exercise, even, right, those things help to maintain a healthy heart. But they are daily activities, not periodic activities, not when I feel like activities, not occasional activities, not at the start of the new year activities. They are regularly scheduled, active daily activities. And this portion definitely intertwines as we look at daily health, heart activity, spiritual heart activity now. It intertwines with next week's message, which I can't wait to get into as we focus on transforming our mind. But with that, I want to just drop some nuggets and we can take two ways in understanding and being conscientious and active of daily heart activity. 
What are you allowing in and what are you keeping out? Think about it in terms of real estate really quickly. An empty lot or property has the ability to collect undesired items or filth because of lack of vigilance and oversight, right? Nobody's really watching that property. So people dump garbage, people dump this, people go in, people go out, people loiter, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. No one's watching it and making sure that that property is being maintained. But when that property or land is owned by someone who is conscientious and active in the maintenance of that property, there's a higher sense of responsibility of what you are letting in and what you are letting out of that, keeping out of that property. Your heart, while you may be the physical owner on earth, is owned by God through the Holy Spirit as he transforms once you give him permission. You have the equal responsibility of knowing what you are letting in and knowing what you are keeping out. I want you to go deeper, and I want to go deeper, but because we're going to go into next week, we're going to wait. But the next part of this leaves you with two questions. Simple. What am I allowing in? What are the concerted, concentrated efforts that I am having, that I'm letting into my health to promote a healthy heart or an unhealthy heart? As it says in Psalm 119, uh, 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 the, the, the writer says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Are you actively writing the words of God, inscribing them on your heart, or are you inscribing other things into your heart? Are you taking in the right things, literature, media, relationship experiences that promote healthy, rooted uh, a healthy rooting of Christ-likeness in your heart, or are you doing the opposite? What are you actively keeping out of your heart is the second question. Are you keeping out holy things that will promote a healthy heart, or are you keeping out, uh, excuse me, are you keeping out holy things that are needed for the heart to survive? Or are you keeping out unholy things that are equally needed to increase and promote a healthy, holy heart and Christ-likeness being rooted inside of you? What are the appropriate steps that you are taking to create boundaries for who you're letting in and what you're letting in to your inner person? As we close today, I want to leave you with some simple steps in our conclusion, because we went over a lot. Today was chock full of a, a bunch of stuff. So here are five simple steps. One, keep a heart journal and track your responses. Usually our responses appear emotional in our feelings, or behavioral, how we act out. When necessary, seek out the observation of trusted Christ-centered loved ones to help you identify the things that you might be missing. Sometimes God puts people in our lives that can help identify, yeah, when you do this or say that, I think there's an issue there that you might want to examine and have the Lord explore with you in your private time. Spend time with God, both in his word and in prayer, bringing your observations or lack thereof before the Lord. Give him time to answer you. Be open and responsive. What does that mean? That means go before the Lord and give him the chance to speak to you. Don't make it a one-way conversation. Allow for God, create the time for him to tell you what may be going on and be open and responsive to what the Holy Spirit has to say. Just like that doctor, the Holy Spirit is diagnosing. In conjunction number three with prayer and your alone time with God, utilize healthy resources that promote inner healing, well-founded counseling that recognizes your faith as a part of your emotional well-being, practical literature, 
that is based on biblical principle, so on and so forth. Those things can also help you identify things that may be going on inside your heart. Number four, and this is really important. Don't be afraid of failure. As God purifies you, know that it takes time to remove impurities and imperfections. God knows that this process would take time. He isn't shocked by the duration. He does not grow impatient. So equally, be kind and patient with yourself when you fail. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When you fall, be kind and patient and know that you can go before God through his Holy Spirit and he is open and willing to forgive you when you fall. And fifth, be conscientious and active about your heart activity, what is coming in and what you are keeping out. If needed, also write these things down and begin to track them as well. Y'all, these are some steps and some understanding about transformation of the heart. This could be a six-part message in and of itself. We can have five more weeks of talking about the heart. But I hope that in our time today, you begin to unlock and understand what are the steps to begin to see your heart transformed. And in conjunction with the Word of God, His Holy Spirit that comes in and understands and diagnoses you, and all these other things that we've talked about, you can begin to examine, purify, and guard your heart. It's a heart matter. Let your heart be changed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to just come before you and be touched by your word. And right now, God, as we go before you, we ask that you uh, begin the process of transformation. Through this EPG, Father God, examine, purify, and guard. We ask that you begin to change our heart bit by bit. Lord, we look at David, your prophet. We look at the people of Israel, your people, Father God. There are moments where they they experience heart of stones, hearts that were impacted by uh, sin and impurity. And Father, just like you said to your people, you were willing to give them a new heart. You were willing to put their spirit in them. And Father, we ask that you do the same. Allow for your spirit to come in and be the instrument that begins to change our heart, to diagnose, to purify, and help us guard, Father God, as you do the work. Let us be conscious, uh, conscientious and mindful and active in protecting our heart so that, just like the song says, we can be more like you and less like us. Transform our hearts, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. Uh, if this message spoke to you, if you have questions, if you have comments, feel free to continue to go in the chat and, 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 and put those questions. You can reach out to people directly. You can reach out to me directly via Instagram or Facebook. You can also reach out via the uh, uh, Radiant Collective Instagram, the church's website, www.springvalleychurchofthenazarene.org, where we have a learn more section and you can contact us with your questions. Uh, you can also email us directly. Our, our email is also, you can find that directly at uh, rc, And all our contact information is right there. We pray that you've been blessed. We pray that God is continuing and starting, starting and continuing that process of transformation of your heart today. And we can't wait to get into the next step, the next message. Ooh, I love this, y'all. We're going to get into transforming our mind next week. Until then, be blessed, be safe, and we'll see you next week.